1: Brought to you by North Memorial Health, where customers are treated like family. That means a big smile when you walk in the door and making sure your visit is as pleasant as possible. Just like your family treats you, find your health family at NorthMemorial.com slash family.
2: TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. It's Purple Daily.
3: Fourth down, less than a yard. Single back is Darrell Williams.
1: Demarcus Robinson comes in motion, and Mahomes sneaks it, and somebody better guard that ankle. Mitchell Schwartz and Martinez Rankin will guard the ankle like guards outside Buckingham Palace. It looks like it's a first down on the quarterback sneak by Patrick Mahomes. Is he off the field? He is not. He might be hurt, Kendall. They are calling to the sideline. Mahomes may be hurt. Oh, no. As he went on the quarterback sneak, he is down on his left hip.
3: And he has taken his helmet off. Mahomes is injured. 9.43 to go in the second quarter. The Chiefs leading 10-6. to six. And people taking a knee and Chiefs players slamming their helmet on the ground. This is clearly something very bad. Well,
4: it turns out that it's bad, but it's not super, super bad is what we have. The update from ESPN is that Patrick Mahomes... Um, it is the best case scenario for his kneecap that there was no other ligament damage as there was for Teddy Bridgewater, which cost him uh, a year and a half of football. But for Patrick Mahomes, it might only cost him a couple of weeks, but those couple of weeks might include playing the Minnesota Vikings. Matthew Collar, ESPN's Myron Metcalf. Uh, Myron, um, I came home from my jog last night went for a little you know, pregame jog at home. It's early in the okay. game. All right, I'm not going to miss much here. Turn it on. And Patrick Mahomes <laughs> is laying on the ground. It's like, what happened? Who did this? And yeah. why? Uh, this, this is a ruiner for people who enjoy good football on November 3rd of going to Kansas City. I'm sure that Vikings fans are very conflicted today. Like, well, he's not dead, so it's all right. Yeah. Uh, but uh, it's a win now, maybe. Uh, but now we also can't see a really cool football thing in Kansas City.
3: Yeah, I, I think you separate the two. Number one, you're glad it's not a more severe injury. Because I'm with you, man. When I heard dislocated kneecap and... When it looked like that, popped it in in the field, on the field, I was like, oh, man, Teddy. That was my first thought. Gross as hell, by the way. Yeah, that was my first Don't thought. Don't need to people. see that. No, and I'm glad it wasn't worse. But, yeah, you, you as a fan, you want to see that kind of matchup, right? I mean, you want to see, okay, yeah, we're a contender. Let's prove it against a team like that on the road. At the same time, a win is a win, and your chances of beating the Kansas City Chiefs Uh, without Patrick Mahomes dramatically increase if he's not on the field, and it looks like it it will line up that way if he's really out for for three weeks, man, that you could end up playing Matt Moore, and that is not the daunting proposition that uh, facing a Patrick Mahomes-led team is for any team in the NFL. Now, the three weeks is a little wonky here, though,
4: because he plays on Thursday night, so he's got 10 days until even just the next game. So the number of days until the Vikings play the Kansas City Chiefs might open the door for Patrick Mahomes. I mean, we do see guys in 2019 come back from injuries before they are scheduled to just because of modern medicine and whatever else is done behind the scenes to get people on the field. But I saw somebody tweet out this morning, if you're the Kansas City Chiefs, you have to let him sit as, lo- as long as uh, he has any sort of limited mobility or anything else like that from the ankle, from the knee. I mean, that would be the other positive, I guess, for them is that now his ankle can also heal because that clearly was not 100% either. I don't think he's the same quarterback when he can't move. It's not like if Tom Brady hurt his knee and be like, i ah, just throw him out there. He's a statue anyway, and yeah. he gets rid of the ball super quick. Mahomes is not that guy. He's somebody that needs to move around a lot like Aaron Rodgers does or like Russell Wilson does to be able to find guys down the field and make plays off schedule, that's a huge part of his value. And that's what would make it, to me, very unlikely that he would be on the field November 3rd is I'm sure that they are well aware that he needs to have that part of his game or he just can't be Patrick Mahomes.
3: Yeah. I mean, to your point, there are guys where, you know, they like a musician, They they read music on the page, right? That's not Mahomes. He's, Alonius Monk or Stevie Ray Vaughan or someone like that who just has this uh, (laughs) ability to. uh, You're a big blues fan,
4: Uh, Myron. The Stevie
3: Ray Vaughan shout out. Okay, I am. am, I'm huge and jazz fan as well. Uh, Yeah, I just think you're right. He's one of those guys where his mobility matters. But let's get away from all of that. This could be a generational quarterback. It appears that he might be. If you're the Chiefs, you have to be willing to say, if we get to the three week mark and something's not right. We extend this as long as we have to, even if that means he missed the rest of the season. I know that's not the situation, and it sounds like he'll be back in three weeks. But, Collar, this is a situation that you cannot mess around with. And here was my thought on it, man. Kevin Durant. That's the first thing I thought about. Yeah. Yeah. In a social media era where people go, you could have protected him. And people were already saying that yesterday. It wasn't even the ankle. But people were saying you have to protect the ankle. He didn't injure his ankle. It was his kneecap. But I think if you bring Patrick Mahomes back, whether you could have done anything or you couldn't have done anything to to prevent this, if another injury occurs, you will never hear the end of it if you're the Chiefs. That's just the way the world is right now. And I'm sure they are considering all of that. Like Mahomes has to be 100%, and if he's not, you sit him. And I don't care if you sit him the entire season because that's your 15-year quarterback who's going to lead you to Super Bowls. It's not worth it to to rush him back. And I think the other advantage they have, Collar, is – They've they've won five games. They're 5-2. and Yep. You know, so if you lose... Their division's trash. Yeah, you lose three, four games, and you get Mahomes back for the final five or six games, I'm going to bet on you to get into the playoffs. Mm -hmm. Maybe not as a team with home field advantage, but I'm going to bet on you to get in with that guy as your quarterback. So I just think they got to wait as long as they can. That's why I just don't see any scenario where he's back uh, against the Packers next week. Or against the Vikings the week after that. Yep,
4: totally agree. And the name that came to my mind was RG3. That you know, yeah. they pushed him out there, and it, clearly his knee was not okay. And I will never get the image of his knee buckling in that playoff oh. game out of oh, my man. head, ever. Uh, it, it was gross and he's never been the same since. And that's what you risk if you're trying to push him out there in a couple of weeks against the Minnesota Vikings. And they've just got to be smarter than that. They also have a really good backup quarterback. And I joke with Sage Rosenfels all the time about how incredible it is when you pull up any journeyman quarterback, you look at their win loss record, they're always 500. Pulled up Matt Moore's record. 15 and 15. (laughs) Sage Rosenfeld, our buddy, was 6 and 6. Like, it's it's amazing how the the good backup quarterbacks can win half their games. And in Kansas City's position, if they do that, if they lose a couple to Minnesota Green Bay, maybe they win the next one after that. Matt Moore is a 500 quarterback for them. Then they're in great shape still to go win that division. And they won't have to really worry about pushing him back. And he could come back. And if they go 9 and 7, and get into the playoffs, well, then, they, of course, they still have a shot to go play in the Super Bowl. It's going to be a little bit yeah. harder, but they will have 100% health, the best player in the game. And if I'm Kansas City, I'm doing that. No way he's coming out there November 3rd. But from the Vikings' perspective of this, Myron, this just got really interesting because this Detroit game is now huge, I think, Um, in terms of a swing game for the division. But look at the rest of the games coming up. Washington, if you don't blow them out, you're a joke, right? Then... uh, then just don't even talk to me about anything yeah. if you don't blow yeah. that team out. And the same now goes in my mind for Denver. Patrick Mahomes goes down in that game last night. You're like, oh boy, all right, Denver, they they could make yeah. this a game. And they were garbage. And Matt Moore had no problem beating them. Kansas City's defense is no good. And Joe Flacco looks like what? I mean, Drew Locke can't be worse, right, than Joe Flacco? Yeah. <laughs> he can't be. It's impossible. Joe Flacco is... Probably the worst quarterback in the NFL right now. So you've got, I don't know, maybe Dwayne Haskins or Case Keenum. Then Matt Moore, Dallas. That's not as good anymore as they looked initially. Joe Flacco or possibly Drew Locke or who the hell knows. November
3: seventeenth or, or, or some six foot eight uh, power forward that John is between now. That's, that that's, that's then because...
4: right. You know, Where's you Tony know.
3: Pike these days? Remember, be, remember Tony happen. Pike? Yes. Yeah, yeah. like 6'8". eight. <laughs> okay. looked ridiculous. Ralph Sampson third <laughs> might be back there for all we know. Uh,
4: my guy Tyree Jackson from University of Buffalo uh, got drafted by the XFL. I, I saw that. I'm surprised somebody at 6'7 was not picked up by the Broncos. Um, <laughs> but now you're looking at this next stretch. You could go 5-0 and if you're the Minnesota yeah. Vikings. It's very reasonable to win every one of these games. And but, in our mind, all year long, Myron, we were going, oh, yeah, you're probably going to lose at Kansas City. That Dallas one's going to be tough. Then at Seattle, that's
3: the hard stretch. Now the hard stretch doesn't look like the hard stretch. Yeah, but you're the Vikings, right? I actually would have more confidence. Maybe this is dumb, but this is just me being around this team for 20 years. I would actually have more confidence if you told me that the next five games were against teams that had figured it out. If you were going to have to f- uh, face Patrick Mahomes, if you were going to have to face a Dallas team that looked like a contender, a Denver team that uh, maybe had figured some things out. Because I think 5-0 and is the projection, but how often does this team, this franchise, follow that? Like, How often does this team take what's supposed to happen and then actually realize that? So that would be my concern. Detroit's huge. And the danger of looking past Detroit is that is a good team, right? That is a good team in one of the best divisions in the entire NFL. That defense is legit. Uh, To me, they should have gone down to Arizona and got that win against the Cardinals. Um, There have just been a number of games. They played Kansas City down to the wire. That team is much better than its record. So you certainly have to focus on that on the road. Uh, And like you said, you play Washington. you got to blow them out. Then you go on the road to Kansas City, and that's one of those weird games to me, where I would almost feel more confident if they were playing Mahomes because I would understand the focus of this team. There have been too many times where you've gone, okay, they got this, everything's right there, and they underperform. But yeah. there's certainly a situation where you could see them going four and one, if not five and zero. Oh, Leading into the bye week. And now that's a completely different conversation if that happens. If you've got a nine and two or eight and three Minnesota Vikings team that looks like it's on its way to. You know, not even just getting into the playoffs, but perhaps doing some damage once they get there. It's very reasonable to
4: say that by the time we get to that bye week, we still won't have a great feel for how good they can really be down the stretch when those NFC North games come back again, and potentially in the playoffs. That we won't really know for sure if they're a Super Bowl contender because things broke their way, um, so in so many different ways. There, like you know, just Washington and Denver being atrocities, and Patrick Mahomes going down so i see it from that perspective from the other perspective if you're a vikings fan you're saying thank goodness that mahomes got hurt oh, but yeah. it's not serious like that's exactly how you draw it up like don't yeah. well, let him just get hurt but not serious like, you know yeah, i don't want yeah. anybody's career being messed <laughs> up three week injury, whatever
3: that is yeah.
4: could use a little w down there now yeah. uh, because here's what i'm thinking when you look at green bay at five and one top of the division and here's green bay's upcoming games Oakland, which they should win. Uh, so
3: Chicago should have won that game, too, though, right? They totally.
4: Didn't. Yep. It, it's fair. Anybody can lose to anybody, but they should win that one. Yep. And then they've got Kansas City, Matt Moore. They've got at Los Angeles, which means actually at Green Bay. Um, yeah. Green Bay West. And then Carolina before their bye week. And they can absolutely beat Carolina, even though it's a good team, but it's at Lambeau. And uh, clearly, referees love refing at Lambeau. Yeah, um, so, I mean, you could see... This is why they need to go 4 and 1 5 and 0 in this stretch. That's pretty much handed to them now as being uh, winnable in, in every one of these games and why this one's important because if you lose this one, then you're still looking at Dallas going, oh, you know, Dallas could be tricky and Matt Moore has one of the funniest careers, Myron. Have you ever looked, I'm sure you have, because every person has done this. Look yeah. at Matt Moore's game log career. No, only pro football it. reference. No, only, only you have done that. People, people don't do that. They don't just spend all no, day looking at a, journeyman th- quarterback th- game logs. It's kind of a you thing.
3: Hmm. It's kind of yeah. It's kind of a you thing. Oh.
4: But it's good. It, you are you, man. That and is that, strange. That's why you
3: are you? I would have expected
4: many more people to do that. <laughs> uh, he has a number of games that I'm not joking where he is unbelievable like yeah. he's cousins from last week there was there I'm pulling it up right now and he has 6 games in his career and he's only started 30 and 6 of them with a higher quarterback rating than 120 and, and he's and he's won every single one so it wasn't like garbage yeah. time he he's got blowouts of 41 to 9 31 to 3 35 to 8 34 to 13 in his career as a starter and then on the other side of that there are games where he is so hysterically bad. One he has a, a thirty-two quarterback rating a couple of years ago against the Giants. Yet yeah, that is bad. It's out of 158. And okay. so he's got another number of games where he's just an atrocity. But you never really know which Matt Moore is going to show up. So if you lose this one in Detroit, you sort of feel nervous about this. Like you shouldn't just mark down KC as a win. They still have Andy Reid. They still have that advantage. Uh, Home field, which, uh, you know, I mean, always has worked for them. I think it's one of the hardest places in the NFL to play. If you win this one, then you feel like "Mm, it's not that crazy to just sweep right
3: through this. Well, and how many times this season alone have we said it's over? It's over in Carolina. Cam's out. Oh, wait. Kyle Allen is okay Mm -hmm. Uh, with North Turner behind him and Christian McCaffrey. They have a chance. Nick Foles goes down. Jaguars aren't great, but they're not the terrible team we expected them to be when Foles got hurt. Uh, and then your number one example, Teddy Bridgewater in, in New Orleans, where call him a game manager if you want, but they're winning games against good teams. So for me, if you're the Chiefs, how you beat the Vikings is you use the Teddy Bridgewater plan in that. Okay, I'm not the strength at quarterback, mm-hmm. but the weapons around me are. They have so lots if get of players. I Travis Kelsey and Tyree Kill and Sammy Watkins. If those guys are getting targets and those guys are making noise, I don't care who you are. And to me, that's a lot like what the Vikings do at their best is they get Stefan Diggs the ball. They get it to Thielen. They get it to Dalvin Cook. They make sure he has his touches and Kirk Cousins uh, doesn't have to be the playmaker uh, down the stretch because those guys are, are performing so well. And I think that's what the Chiefs could evolve into. A team where you go, yeah, Matt Moore is not going to win any games for them, especially against good teams, but the weapons around him if the, if the defense shows up at all they have a chance. The thing is the defense has been terrible. And that, to me, is the conversation that nobody's having. Mahomes had to score 30 or more points in three of these wins already this season. So that, to me, is the thing that how are you going to adjust there? Because if you're giving up 25, 30 points to Minnesota or Green Bay, you're losing that game. Matt Moore's not beating those two teams in that situation. So I think the Chiefs uh, may be okay at quarterback. You're never going to duplicate Mahomes. But defensively is where I think they'll get torched by Aaron Rodgers and Kirk Cousins and the weapons around him.
4: Can we uh, talk about Mahomes just for a second here in that injury? Number one, um, quarterback sneaks. I've never seen a quarterback get hurt before ever. So people who are like, "Why are you quarterback sneaking?" I don't know because it's like a ninety percent percentage, (laughs) but it's the best play in that situation all the time. It's something every time I see a team line up against the Vikings, Myron on fourth and one, and they hand it off and Linval Joseph gobbles the guy up. You're like, uh, why didn't you just QB sneak? It's a 90% play and yep. I've never seen anyone get hurt. Brady runs it all the time. has never yep. been injured. He's the slowest dude of all time. There's no there's no reason to criticize that play, right?
3: No. No. That's people first off we got too many webMD Twitter people, <laughs> right? Who are yeah. diagnosing Batcher Holmes's injury right away. No, you 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 call that every time, right? It's not the play call. It's the sport. it's the reality of playing that position It's you're a quarterback in the n f l things happen to to all those guys, so I think everyone coming in saying this could have happened they could have done this differently it's It's just silly It really is silly uh that could have happened in any situation. it's no one's to blame. that's just football, but my goodness, all these twitter Twitter and D folks who I guess they've gone through medical school because they were all diagnosing uh, what had happened there. Uh, they, they knew more than the trainers and the doctors who actually examined Patrick Mahomes, man. It's just, it's, it's ridiculous how people look for blame in that scenario, but I'll guarantee you this, if that guy comes back in three weeks and he gets hurt again, everybody's going to say, I told you so he wasn't ready. That's just the way it works now, man. And I feel bad for the chiefs because in that scenario, it'll be really, really bad for them.
4: Yep, Because and you know that he's going to push to come back and everything else. Yeah. I also wanted to mention the response from players on the field when it happened and the response from the videos from the locker room of Mahomes was just interesting to me because he is such a young guy. And you and I have talked about this before with Baker Mayfield about how Mayfield has had a little trouble handling the spotlight at times, I yeah. think, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. If not a lot of trouble and he wants to snipe at everybody and everything else, and you have players that don't seem to maybe respect him, and he irritated his own team by questioning another guy and his scenario with the team uh, in the offseason and stuff like that. Mahomes is like the same age, and the dude might as well be 35 with the yeah. way he handles <laughs> yeah. things, right? I mean, the, the across-the-board respect for him as a person, I, I just marvel at with his age and his level of superstardom.
3: And and what he's carrying I mean, when people are basically saying whenever Brady leaves, whether it's after this season or the year 2045, whenever that happens, you're the face of the NFL. I mean, you're going to be the guy that everybody's looking to. And to have that respect already is a, is a great sign, man. But, you know, the way everybody took a knee and guys are coming up to him, it says a lot about, you know, not disrespecting his talent, but like you said, who he is as a person. And also they know – this guy is going to be the face of our league. Yeah. You know, yep. this guy is going to represent us once the veteran quarterbacks like Breeze and Brady retire. So, they don't want to see that either. They don't want to lose to him, but they definitely don't want to see him get hurt. Um,
4: when we come back, I want to talk to you Myron about something you sent me a message about that I've been thinking in about quarterback spectrums and styles of quarterbacking that we need to talk about with Kirk Cousins because I think The Vikings over the last couple of weeks saw what Kirk Cousins should be, and I don't want them to change it. So let's discuss when we get back. Matthew Collar, ESPN's Myron Metcalf. We will return here on Purple Daily.
1: North Memorial Health has over 400 care providers. That's right, more than 400 care providers and more than 6,000 team members that are dedicated to keeping you healthy north memorial health is proud to partner with the minnesota vikings as they work to make minnesota the healthiest in the league they're more than a team at north memorial health they're your family at north memorial health customers are treated like family your health family is more than a tagline it's a commitment to delivering unmatched customer service that means a big smile when you walk in the door that means making sure your visit is as pleasant as possible it means asking what else can we do for you North Memorial Health will treat you like family in a good way. The people at North Memorial Health will team up with you to help you achieve your best health. So step up your health care game today and find your health family at NorthMemorial.com slash family. Once again, that's NorthMemorial.com slash family.
2: One of the things Kurt does uh, really as good as as any, any quarterback in the league is his play action game is really, really
5: good. When he can go through a long play-action, take a big seven-step drop and, and hit the ball that, that he hit to, to uh, Stefan Diggs last week. Um, when he has a chance to step into throws, especially in the play-action game, he does a really, really good job. I think one of the things that's, that's been hard for him is when he can't step into throws. Whether it's a five-step drop, a three-step drop, or a long seven-step drop. When he has to shuffle his feet and move in the pocket and can't get everything on the ball that he wants to get because he can't really step into the throw and transfer his weight and transfer his energy and and create velocity on the football, I think that's where he struggled.
4: That was Carson Palmer on the show yesterday. Great conversation with him. If you missed that, go to wherever you get your podcast. type in Purple Daily. And uh, that was Thursday's show in the first hour. And uh, I had a very good time talking with Carson. Brought some great insight to Kirk Cousins and quarterbacking and being a star quarterback, facing the pressure and all that stuff. Um, Myron Metcalf, Matthew Collar. I want you to guess, Myron, how many quarterbacks have a better quarterback rating when throwing the ball beyond 20 yards than Kirk Cousins presently? How many QBs in the National Football League better quarterback rating when throwing it more than 20 yards down the field?
3: I don't know, man. Um, five?
4: One. Russell Wilson is the only one. Last year, Cousins ranked ninth in the NFL in quarterback rating when throwing it more than 20 yards. And a few years ago, 2016, if my computer will load, I'll get this for you, uh, he was fifth. And 2017, still pretty good, also fifth. So he has been fifth, fifth, ninth, and second when throwing the ball beyond 20 yards. So your question to me was, should Cousins be a game manager and specifically, I guess, against good defenses. I mean, against, yeah. you know, when Rasul Butler or whatever his name was, Douglas, has no idea. Who's Rasul Butler?
3: He, uh, a, he played for the Heat years three ago. Three-pointer shooter? Yeah, he could yeah. shoot a little bit. Oh, okay. All right. Well, uh, yeah. maybe somebody... Underrated I, contributor off the bench. Okay, somebody I picked up
4: on uh, NBA 2K5 or something. Yeah, probably. Yeah. All right. Um, okay, Rasul. Shout out
3: to Rasul Butler. Yeah.
4: Um, helped me with plenty of NBA Live championships. Um, yeah. But Rasul Douglas had no idea what he was doing against Stephon Diggs, and these throws are wide open. So, of course, you know, some of them came via horrendous defense. But when we think of game managers, Myron, I think of let's check it down, let's keep the sticks moving. Kind of what Teddy Bridgewater has done for the New Orleans Saints since he's coming. He's been like the ultimate game manager. He hasn't turned the ball over that much, he's just done enough to win the game, right? And that's what the high-end game manager. Usually it's kind of an insult, but it's more of like I think of it as an Alex Smith type of win the game, be safe, don't mess it up. And I think that Mike Zimmer wanted Kirk Cousins to be that way, but the reality is he just isn't. I think he's a guy that has to air it out, throw it downfield as much as he possibly can, and you have to set him up to do so because he won't do anything that he's not told to out on the football field. So you have to tell him, throw that ball down the field guy. Otherwise, uh, you know, if you're talking about trying to protect the ball, he'll still turn it over because that's what Kirk Cousins does. So I think if they go into Detroit and say, we're going to go back to our game plan, we're going to go back to handing off to Delvin and have Kirk game manage, I think that's the recipe
3: for not winning the game. Yeah, but I I don't know how much he can actually improvise. I mean, is he to, to me when I say game manager, I think of a guy who is not the focus of a team. His value is less than the value of the weapons around him, which I think is a big part of what Teddy Bridgewater is doing. Like, we got Michael Thomas and Alan yeah. Kamara. Like, things are much better. I think Matt Moore uh, could have some inflated numbers here if Tyree Kill gets 10, 12 targets a game. Kelsey spreads the ball around. So there's a chance for him to look pretty good as well. I don't think there's a quarterback. Correct me if I'm wrong here, Collar. I don't think there's a quarterback in the NFL who has a better trio than Dalvin Cook, Stephon Diggs, and Adam Thielen. I, I, I'm not sure if there's somebody else I'm missing. I can't think of another quarterback in the league who has that. Am I wrong about that? Uh, yeah, Um, right off the top of my head, no, you're not wrong. Right. So, so my thing is this: that's your value, like that. That's where you're winning games. How, how do you get the ball in their hands? Yeah. And I think to me, Kirk Cousins earlier in the season, and you go back to the Packers game where it was Kirk's got to make a play. I still don't fully trust him in that situation. But, yeah, if you're running play action and fields open and Stephon Diggs is beating his man and you're airing it out, yeah. that That's Kirk Cousins. I don't know if that elevates him beyond efficient game manager. But here's my thing. There's nothing wrong with it if it is, if that's the case and you're winning games. Teddy Bridgewater is making $7 million a year because this is exactly the role they wanted him to play in a worst-case scenario where Drew Brees uh, got hurt. I think you can do that in terms of uh, magnifying the value of the weapons around you when you have elite weapons. And I think that, to me, is what I saw against the Eagles. I had forgotten, I'll be honest, how good Stefan Diggs and Adam Thielen were because oh, yeah. there was so much drama mm-hmm. leading up to that game. There's been so much talk about everything but football. I had I had forgotten that yeah, these guys yeah. could be the best duo in the league. And I think that, to me, is what I saw uh, against the Eagles. Kirk Cousins made some beautiful throws. But at the end of the day, it was... If Diggs and Thielen, Dalvin Cook wasn't great, but they were trying to bottle him up and it opened up the field. With those three guys, if you get them the ball, put them in the best position to do what they're capable of, you got a chance to beat a lot of teams in this league.
4: And that's why I've been thinking, Myron, why not lean into gunslinging Kirk? And I don't mean have him throw 50 times a game, necessarily. I mean have him take shots. and And shots beyond when those guys are wide open, because... Um, On Sunday, they were extremely wide open. Against the New York Giants, they were extremely wide open. But uh, you know maybe against the Bears, there were some guys running open that he didn't find, but it wasn't exactly the same as, uh, here's a cornerback who has no idea what he's doing and Stephon Diggs just runs right by him, or there's miscommunications or things like that. This defense is going to be a lot better. It's a lot tighter coverage. It is. They have way better corners. Darius Slay and Justin Coleman are both really good NFL players. Yeah. But I still want him to throw it. Like what Aaron Rodgers did, throwing that to the guy I'd never heard of, Alan Lazard, yeah. and he goes up and gets it. Iowa I, State. Shout out Iowa State. I want – oh, it's a um, it's a Sage Rosenfels guy, huh? Uh, I, I want to see Cousins make that
3: throw. I want him to take those risks. I think he has you the talent to do it. You want to see him to execute that throw, Collar. You yeah. want to see him execute that throw. If he if he fails, though, then we're all going to be back to the same conversation, right? I, I will tell you this. I won't be. If he makes throws that are
4: risky to Adam Thielen or Stefan Diggs into coverage and they get picked off downfield, I will not criticize that. I don't think that interceptions very often when they're thrown downfield really hurt you all that much, especially when you have the Minnesota Vikings defense. Like I, I think it's a great reason to be really aggressive. And I, I was looking at these next gen stats. Myron, uh, they've made things sort of interesting because just more information you can get. And there's a it. there's a stack called aggressiveness, which is how often you throw into tight coverage, which yep. means the corner is near your receiver within a yard. Right. I think that's the yes. standard. Yep, Cousins is so- the least aggressive quarterback in the NFL right now. The most aggressive is actually his competitor this week in Matthew Stafford. I think that Cousins can make every throw down the field that Matthew Stafford can. And those numbers back it up for his success throughout his career, throwing it down the field. He's just very accurate in doing it. And I would like to see that aggressiveness rating as they go into a game where they're playing with tight coverage go up. I want to see him do it more often. I want to see them lean into his best talent and not say, be a game manager, just don't turn the ball over. No, no, no. Open this thing up and use those guys and sling that ball around. I I think that that's their best option to be a really good offense, even if Kirk, at times, is still going to mess up. He's still going to throw some picks. He's still going to fumble. But I think he does that stuff anyway. I think he does that stuff when you ask him to be a game manager, too.
3: Yeah, I I like you a lot, Kyle. I don't believe you when you say if he throws a big pick and it changes the game that you won't criticize him. I I just think think in that situation, I mean, it's like a punt is what you're saying, right? If you air it out, your defense is that good, you're basically punting the ball. I, I, I just think Cousins has proven that there have been moments where he's done that in crucial situations, and that would be my concern, especially on the road. And I think that mark about him being the least aggressive quarterback. Correct me if I'm wrong. I believe he's had the most time to throw of any quarterback in the league still, right? Uh he was I haven't he checked was, it this week right? but he so was So he's yeah. been he's been leading uh, the NFL in terms of time to throw. So you have an overthinking quarterback with a lot of time to throw. He he still is, by the way. Yes, but I mean that that's going to lead to maybe le- less aggressiveness. I, I for me I'm thinking hey whatever you got to do to, to do what you did last week and make sure that Diggs and Thielen eat and, and try to get uh, you know, Dalvin Cook to make some big plays, that's always going to be the game plan offensively. I want him to be smart when he airs it out. Yeah, he should be able to do that. A quarterback in this league who's making what he's making should be able to hit targets downfield. At the same time, you also don't want a guy getting baited. you know. And I think that's happened to him at times in his career. I feel like what happened with the Packers, and it's – it feels like a year ago now, but thrown into double, triple coverage in that moment was a guy thinking, okay, I'm capable of this. And mm-hmm. it was him overthinking, which he's done before. Whereas last week I saw a guy who was saying, no, the play is there, I'm going to yep. make it. Yep. that That to me has to be the switch. And if that's the guy who's doing that, okay, fine, air it out. But I don't know, I haven't seen enough consistently to think, okay, let's just let him go crazy. And again, game manager for me, Yes, it's mistake-free football, which is what you want from any quarterback. But more than anything, it's knowing who you are. Teddy Bridgewater's greatest asset is that he knows exactly who he's supposed to be with the Saints. He knows exactly what he's supposed to do. He's not coming in and saying, i got to prove to everybody that I can be a starter in this league. He's saying, Michael Thomas, you just got $100 million. got to get you the ball. Alvin Kamara, you're about to get $100 million. We've got to get you the ball. That's what he's doing, and that to me makes him a game manager. If that's what you want to call him, Kirk cut in a similar spot. If you feed Diggs and Thielen and Cook, does what he's done, does what he's capable of doing, you're going to look very, very good. If you force passes and you make mistakes, we're going to start talking about you the same way we were a couple weeks ago.
4: See, I, I think it's one of Cousins' biggest weaknesses that he doesn't force enough passes into these guys because. The contested catch numbers for Thielen and Diggs are among the best in the NFL. And this is yeah. what Matt Stafford has been doing. He's got Galladay and he's got Jones and those two guys in terms of contested catches are fantastic. And a lot of times he's just saying, you know what, you're one on one, go get that ball. And it, there's not gonna be a lot of separation for Stephon Diggs and Adam Thielen against Darius Slay, against Justin Coleman, because those guys are good. I, I mean I think the Vikings receivers and usually receivers in two thousand nineteen win those battles, but they're not gonna be running wide open. Diggs no. isn't going to be pulling the Randy Moss and throwing the arm up while he's on his no. way down the field. It's going to be tight coverage, and I want him to say, go win that battle against tight coverage. Because last year, I looked at how Darius Slay performed, and of course, Detroit was horrendous last year. But Darius Slay performed really well against the Vikings in the two games. He allowed less than 100 yards, only 5 of 11 throws in his direction I want them to throw at him a little more, just to say I believe that Stephon Diggs can go up and get this ball. And I, I promise you, I am Myron more process than result oriented, just in my life. Right? Like if they're doing the right thing, it's like this: Mahomes injury. They're doing the right thing. They're doing a ninety percent play where no quarterback has ever gotten hurt that I've ever seen in my life, and Mahomes gets hurt. And I yeah. would still say, actually, Andy Reid made the right decision though. And the same thing will go for Kirk Cousins if he is taking risks down the field, throwing into tight coverage because he knows his guy can make the play, then I'm going to say that's the right way to go. And if they try to dial it back or if Cousins says, well, you know, it wasn't in the progression, I think then we're getting a lot of offense that looks more like what they had against Chicago or what they yeah. had against Green Bay. Then when you try to rein them in a little bit, uh, that's where the mistakes could be. And I think that actually Kevin Stefanski and Gary Kubiak have taken the approach of let's make sure we get multiple deep shots down the field from this guy because it's one of his strengths. I just want to see him continue to lean into that. And if he does make mistakes, if he does hang on to the ball too long in the pocket and fumble, if he does throw a pick, well, t- he's going to do that anyway if he's trying to game manage and throw short passes
3: or check yeah. down or things. But but everything that you, you everything you just said looks a lot better when you win. I mean, that's all. I, I mean... The 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 ambitious aggressive quarterback who makes those mistakes and his team comes out with a W. He looks a lot better than the guy who does that and his team loses. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah. it's Brett Favre, right? Mm-hmm. And how we view him, a guy who made a ton of mistakes but ended up winning a lot of games. So that becomes the thing. At the end of the day, it's situational. I think most people, if Kirk Cousins plays that way, makes some mistakes, and they still win on the road against a good Lions team you say, bravo, right? This guy is more ambitious. He's being more aggressive. He's feeling more comfortable. That will be the narrative. If he does that and they lose, it will be, what are you doing, Zimmer? Why are (laughs) you allowing this guy to be that aggressive? That's just the way fans work. And I think you have to find, if you can find the balance, maybe there's no balance there, Kyle, I don't know. But if you can find the balance, that's what you have to do. But we reward aggressive, gunslinging quarterbacks who win. The gunslinging quarterbacks who lose – they are dismissed from the annals of history. We don't care about them. We forget about them. That's just the reality. No, yeah, and I, I think you're right that is,
4: it's not so much fans, though. It's Mike Zimmer. That if Kevin Stefanski came in to Mike Zimmer and said, here's what we're going to do. After he's had so much success throwing the ball downfield, we're taking our shots, and we've told Kirk, that if Stefan Diggs and Darius Slay are one on one and Slay is all over him, throw the ball anyway, especially with pass interference and the cluster bleep that that is. Yeah. like just throw it up, make plays, try try everything you can do to use that arm strength. Right, we'll we'll roll you out, we'll find you some space in the pocket. But even if the guy's covered, don't check it down. Take those shots. And Cousins does it, and throws two picks. Mike Zimmer will have a conniption and they'll never do it again. And I think that's what happened last year in a lot of ways, where. There were times that John Di Filippo was having Cousins be the main part of the offense, throwing to Thielen and Diggs, and as soon as there were turnovers, as soon as it seemed like it didn't work, Zimmer freaked out and said, Stop doing that. There was a moment last year where Zimmer said in a press conference that he pulled Cousins aside and said, You know a lot of people's jobs are in your hands, so you can't turn the ball over. Like that's, that's always helpful. That's not a good thing to tell a quarterback, <laughs> especially one that is in his own head all the time. right? Yeah. And, and so... That is maybe your bigger roadblock than fan freak out. It, but if it's me, I would absolutely take it. We had Carson Palmer. He was like this in his career. Carson Palmer was the guy who threw downfield all the time, took all the shots and the risks. Bruce Arians loved it. One year he goes 13 and three. The next year he's not quite as good. There were times where he threw interceptions or times he got sacked. But ultimately, he had a lot of success being that risky quarterback throwing it down the field because he had the arm talent to do it. Cousins doesn't quite have Carson Palmer uh, arm talent. Very few people ever do. But he's had a lot of success with it. And I think if you could keep Mike Zimmer from flipping out every time there was a mistake, which is probably not possible, I, w- I would want to lean into the Kirk. That's been my thing. Lean, yeah. lean into the thing he does the best, even though it's going to have some negative implications too.
3: And I think what you're describing, the scenario you're describing is... This is something we have to see in the first half of Sunday's game, right? Like, cause that'll tell the story. To yep. me, if they have early success and they're airing, out, airing it out, that's one situation. I do not see a scenario against that defense where Kirk throws a first quarter interception on a deep ball and suddenly re- regains his confidence to continue to do that. Like, that to me is the challenge as well. If he's, if you're rolling like he was on Sunday and, and, and you're hitting those deep balls, great he doesn't strike me as a guy who could make that early mistake, come back and go, no, let's go for it again. To your point, I don't know that he has the guy backing him on the sideline to allow him to do that. So the first half of that game, maybe even the first quarter, will tell us a lot about the kind of Kirk Cousins we should expect to see the rest of that game.
4: All right, when we come back, I want to talk a little bit about uh, my favorite game of the week that is not involving the Vikings. And also, uh, I know that it's you've waited a few days for this, Myron, but it was so up your alley that I have to let you talk about Zach Brown and what happened last week. Uh, So we will do that when we return. Matthew Collar, ESPN's Myron Metcalf here on Score North.
1: Football fans, it's Mackie here for Federated Insurance. You might not know this about me, but I've been a business owner a couple different times in my life. I can relate to the roller coaster ride, the never-ending sea of problems to solve, the exhilaration of those incremental wins. If you're a business owner, I recommend getting to know Federated, which has over a century of experience in protecting businesses and making them as successful as they can be. You want a company like Federated standing behind your business? Visit FederatedInsurance.com to find your local representative. Federated Mutual Insurance Company. It's our business to protect yours.
0: Jonathan here with the Score Score North download brought to you by the 2020 Choice Bank Minnesota Golf Show. We use this download to remind you of some of the, or at least one of the things we have on our podcast feed right now. It's been 10 years since we all Went on a ride with Fred Farvin and we're doing a deep dive into every aspect of that 2009 Vikings season. You can join Sage Rosenfels, Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad, and Ryan Longwell on Minnesota Sports Rewind, the 2009 Vikings edition on demand right now, anywhere you find your favorite podcasts. Or you can just go over to scorenorth.com and click on shows. That's Minnesota Sports Rewind. That's been your Score North download. Now back to Purple Daily. Thank you very
4: much, Jonathan. One more segment, Matthew Collar and Myron Metcalf of ESPN. Then Judd Zogad comes in, and we will also talk to Jeff Rieger from Detroit to get the intel on how the Lions have uh, responded and whether they've gotten over getting shafted by the referees last week. Um, I, but I want to, I want to tell you, Myron, that this schedule this week, um, it's got one gem that I just can't wait for. And then a, and then another game that's divisional and sort of interesting. I can't wait for Baltimore Seattle. Are you ready for this one? I mean, this one is going to be great. Like the yeah. Vikings game gets over and I'll be working on all of my post-game stuff as I'm watching this one. Lamar Jackson, Russell Wilson at Seattle. Earl Thomas returns there after the last time he was there flipping off uh <laughs> Pete Carroll. Pete Carroll. I mean, two dynamic, super fun to watch quarterbacks who both dropped in the draft for idiotic reasons and are are franchise QBs. It's super fun to watch. Neither defense is what they used to be, so it could be a shootout between those two quarterbacks. Like, even though uh, the football gods did not bless us with Mahomes getting hurt, they have blessed us with this football game.
3: Yeah, and, and both guys, you know, I think Lamar Jackson is going from a guy who, okay, he can't even play quarterback. He should play wide receiver, too, looking like a guy who's going to be quarterback with the Ravens for a while. I mean, he's put himself in that position, one of the top playmakers in the league, and then Russell Wilson looks like the MVP. That pass to Lockett, was it last week, is still one of the greatest throws I've ever seen. Unreal. Amazing. I'll also say this, man. When I see all these black quarterbacks out there, for me, I love the idea that you've got guys who are proving that they can be leaders, with both their physical gifts and their mental capabilities as well. Because that's what you're seeing with Russell Wilson. And I think people are starting to see that with Lamar Jackson as well. This isn't a guy who's just trying to be the strongest, fastest guy on the field. This is a guy who has proven that he is becoming a more cerebral quarterback. And I just love how they they have both developed. And then the Earl Thomas narrative which, you know, if you're going to go out, nobody's going out better than Earl Thomas in terms of leaving a stadium. What did he break his leg? I think it was a huge play. Really devastating situation. And now you're coming back to where you were a superstar in, in Seattle. It should be a fascinating game, but it also shows two teams where you go where would they be without those quarterbacks? Like if you're the Ravens, man, and you don't draft Lamar Jackson and you're playing with Joe Flacco. We're not talking about you right now. You're, you're, you're an afterthought in the league. And if something were to ever happen to Russell Wilson, you look at the guys around him. He's playing with guys who are not recognizable faces and still getting the job done, still playing like one of the best players in the league. And uh, this could be really fun. Let me circle back to your first point. I,
4: I think it's interesting that um, a generation is going to grow up with their football stars being classy black quarterbacks who never get talked about the same way that quarterbacks were black quarterbacks were talked about when I was younger. Right. And I think that some of these guys dropped in the draft because of old preconceived racist notions about black quarterbacks and how greatly these franchises have benefited from that. Right. Seattle and Baltimore and even Deshaun Watson dropping to the 10th pick yeah. in the draft is so preposterous. And the same thing with with uh, Patrick Mahomes. And, and we saw that even with Teddy Bridgewater. Um, it, but now these are the black quarterbacks that this generation grows up with as being thought of as about the best leaders and the smartest group out there. And it just is a, a great sea change for the NFL because I, I can count my entire time growing up on one hand – even just the number of black quarterbacks, but um, the number that were talked about this way, like Steve McNair might be one of the only ones that was talked about as like, this guy is a warrior and he's yeah. smart and he's not just an athlete and that sort of thing. Um, but now I think every one of these quarterbacks, though uh, most quarterbacks in the NFL, no matter what race, are athletic, like we saw from Carson Wentz, but the, the tropes, I think are disappearing now because of this great group with Watson, Mahomes, Teddy is now in that in, back in that mix as well, yeah. Lamar Jackson, and it, it just I think there's another thing too that um, I think black people have dealt with for a long time where they have to be better to reach the same standard, right?
3: Yeah, and.
4: Yeah. How about, like, these guys? I mean, Lamar Jackson just seems like the best leader that you could ever ask for, and you see the way yeah, they people respond to him. And uh, I think they've really paved the way for maybe this changing as a new uh, group of leadership comes into the NFL, so those tropes are going to
3: be gone. Yeah, and, and there are they're so many. I mean, I remember growing up and, and remember when Michael Vick hit the scene, and I thought this was the most amazing thing I'd ever seen, because you know he was just this phenomenal playmaker who could do anything but i also saw the okay he's doing everything with his feet yep. you know that that's yep. kind of who he is and so to see pocket passers who also happen to be black um to see guys who are just smart leaders that that to me is a it's a huge thing and and i think it'll change the next Generation. I think the idea that you're seeing these black quarterbacks, and they're just quarterbacks. Dak Prescott is just the quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys, whether you like him or not, whether you think he's good or not. He's just being talked about as the quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys, whereas it wasn't like that for Vic, and it certainly wasn't like that for Steve McNair. So I think this next generation is certainly doing, and I don't want to say a good job because it's not really on them to reverse stereotypes, but are certainly proving that there is a new generation coming, and they're doing it, with their bodies and physical gifts, but also with their brains. And that's an important development.
4: Yeah, no, for sure. And I was talking with someone who's dialed in who is uh, pointing out, like, can you believe some of the personalities of these guys? Like, look at a Deshaun Watson, the things that yeah. he went through, a Teddy Bridgewater that was supposed to never come back and play and now is 4 and 0. And that's, that's amazing. Uh, by the way, the other game that is going to be. Uh, on my TV on Sunday, New Orleans at Chicago. And and that one is huge, I think, for both teams. I mean, New Orleans trying to establish themselves as the best team in the NFC. I think they're the most talented. With Breeze, they're the best. But Bridgewater going to Chicago. It's never easy there. Their defense is still extremely talented. Um, you know, I, I guess uh that that one is really gonna be fascinating to me because if New Orleans comes out of there with a win, I'm gonna A think, oh my God, is New Orleans good? But I'm yeah. also gonna think, you know, hey, Chicago might not be in this party. It might just be a two team
3: race for the NFC North. And wouldn't that be amazing if Chicago is at the bottom of this? Division because they lose Sunday. You could make the case that they might be the worst team in a really good division. And again, I think the Lions that tie obviously affects their, their record, but they've been right there. They had a chance to beat the Cardinals and even beat the Chiefs. Didn't get the job done, but I think this is a very competitive league where you go, wow, how good do you have to be for Chicago to be the team where you're like, they might not make the cut, you know, and, and why wouldn't they make the cut collar? quarterback, who <laughs> nice. are these other teams in the league? Yes. You, you have Kirk Cousins. There are a lot of weaknesses, but the offense is moving. You've got Aaron Rodgers. You've got Matthew Stafford. And then you've got maybe Mitch Trubisky at some point when he's 100% healthy. That, to me, is the difference when you're looking at four teams that have made dramatic improvements defensively, at least in Green Bay, four teams that are have been really good defensively. The difference is what they're doing at quarterback and in the, in the Chicago Bears not having that proven Leader or even a consistent leader at that position.
4: Okay, I promised I'd let you do this. You waited all week to do it. Zach Brown talks his trash, gets lit up. Had a shot actually. When I was going back and look at the tape, I realized he had a shot at Kirk Cousins, and Kirk dodged him. Yeah. The great athlete, Kirk Cousins, dodged him and made a great throw. <laughs> and then he gets cut after the game. You just, yeah. just,
3: just go ahead. Just say whatever you want to say to just, Zach Brown. If you're going to talk trash in this league, you just better know who you are, right? That that's the thing. Steve Smith was one of the best trash talkers of all time, but he was also one of the greatest receivers of all time. You've got to know who you are, right? And Zach Brown, for some reason, thought, OK, I'll make this comment and it'll go away. No way, man. You you got embarrassed, right? And I laugh because I'm like, this is why you shouldn't say something like that unless you're ready to back it up. And then he gets cut. But before that, he says, I just want to talk about You know the game. I don't want to talk about Kirk Cousins. No, no, no. You don't get to do that when you trash talk like that and try to get away from it and walk away from it. Absolutely not. You've got to stand up there after the game and say, look, I was wrong. Uh, I shouldn't have made those comments and now here he is looking for another job. But I, I just think if you're going to talk trash, you at least better be able to come in after a game and say he showed me. And Zach Brown didn't do that, so I'll never respect him because of how he approached that. But come on, man. Like, you're Zach Brown, dude. When the cameras come in front of you, just say, yeah, I played with Kirk in, in Washington, and, you know, we he has some potential. We'll see what happens. You don't make those strong comments and then try to walk away from him, man. Come on. You can't do that. And I, he was terrible in the game. He wasn't good. Right. I, I think I'm fine with him
4: saying something like that as long as after the game he says, Kirk, Kirk ate us alive, man. He just yes. played great, and that's yes. that's what he is capable of doing, and we didn't show up and back up my statements, and that's on me. I shouldn't have made it. If he said that, I wonder if he's still with the team, if he owned it. But he yep. just looked like a coward after that. Yeah, he did. I he mean, did. come on, man. Like you got to at least own that. and Admit then it. And then you look like at least a professional. When you say, "All right, I shouldn't have said that." He he wins this one, and you know maybe we'll see him in the playoffs or something. But to just say, "Oh, I'm not talking about that." Like, really, you're not going to talk about how the quarterback destroyed you? It's a joke. <laughs> the joke. Uh, all right. Well, Who Myron, Zach Brown. Anyway, I mean, many people had the joke, but it was funny. It was Zach Brown banned? Like B A N N E D? Yeah. Like uh, I get it. I like yeah, it. that's a. I like that. that's a a country artist, I've heard. All right. Uh, anyway, Myron, great stuff as always. We'll connect uh, again next Friday. Thanks, man. Sounds good, man. Every week, uh, Myron Metcalf and I here on Fridays for the first hour. Coming up next, we got a Zolgad in here. Jeff Rieger from Detroit coming up as well to discuss where the Lions are now in their season. We'll be right back here on Purple Daily.
2: TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest-growing TV brand. <laughs> It's Purple Daily.
4: Yeah, I would think he's doing, a, he's doing a really good job with decision-making. I think he's uh, really trying to get the ball to his go-to players in in just critical situations where I think they're very calculated plays. You know, give credit to, to Coach Stefanski and, and the game plans that he set up. Um, I think he's doing an awesome job, you know, uh, getting the run game going, letting the line, the scrimmage kind of get going, take over up front. I think he's using the tight ends really well, you know. I would say, you know, Rudolph is in a little bit of a different role than he's been in the past, but with the addition of Irv Smith and some of the things that he's able to do, they're putting the defenses in a lot more of a bind. All right, back here on Purple Daily. Matthew Collar and Judd Zolgad now. We will have Jeff Rieger to give us a Detroit perspective in about 15 minutes or so. Um, Okay, that was Matt Patricia. Let me ask you this, Judd. Okay. Let's say that Detroit comes out and does a really good job against the Vikings. You going to give Matt Patricia a little respect? What would it take for you to give Matt Patricia some respect?
5: Uh... No, I won't if they come out and do a good job in this game. I need a full season of Patricia and success. And I need to ultimately see something that makes me walk away saying, this guy's not a total jackass. And that's going to take a little bit of work. I feel like after how he treated people and the fact that he comes from the Belichick tree, which is just brutal, dangerous. I feel like that gives me now at least a year of, okay, Let's see Let's see if you've changed. Let's see if you learned. And you know what? If they are successful in 2019, and let's say they make a wild-card playoff run or something like that, I might say, yeah, he sort of gets it now. But that Belichick tree is so poisonous. It's been so bad, mm-hmm. Matthew. I mean, you go back and look through that thing, and how many people, uh, some of them nice guys, some of them complete just jerks. But the failure across the board, like, is... Brian Flores with the Dolphins. Is this plan all going to work
4: for him there, or is he just the patsy Oh, there? he's he's done after this year, I'm sure. Okay. I'm sure they're just going to can him and go on to the next one, right? But I think he's there with the purpose of trying to lose, so is he is he serving his boss as well? I mean, but it's just, there have been so many
5: of those, those Belichick guys, guys like Charlie Weiss and stuff, and they just turn out to be just horses behinds. They're bad guys. And their failures. So I need to see
4: at least a year, if not more, from Patricia to say this one worked. Yeah, him playing Mr. Tough Guy last year and yeah. doing a bunch of very bizarre things. It ran Golden Tate out of town. And it seemed to manipulate the locker room right away. We did see Mike Zimmer bounce back from something similar from 2016 to 2017. Um, sometimes when you get on a, a roll of playing well, that that solves a lot of the problems. Because that version of Zimmer came back in 2018 at times, uh, where he you know, obviously was frustrated by John B. Filippo and the offensive structure and all that. So sometimes circumstances can dictate it, how the players feel about their head coach. And that's the thing with Belichick, is who can ever question someone who does nothing but win all the time and has the greatest quarterback in history? It's their team, and you're just there as another guy, and you have to do your job and play your role and not think for yourself, because otherwise you're going to be gone. Well, that's a different mentality than the Detroit Lions can take or than the Miami Mm -hmm. Dolphins can take. So if you're like, well, this is how Belichick did it, like, uh, yeah, but that doesn't fly here. These guys (laughs) are going to voice their opinions because you don't have Tom Brady. Uh, I want to get to this, the uh, injury report is kind of interesting. Now some teams are a little more liberal with putting people as questionable when they're usually not and maybe Detroit is like that, but if the any Patriots of, are, yeah, so th- of course, makes sense. So if any of these guys though have legit issues, yep. then this could be a huge benefit for the Vikings. Uh, Mike Daniels is not playing. That's a huge bonus for them. Even though Snacks Harrison is good, uh, Daniels is more the guy who could get after the passer. So not having him is a big deal. Okay. Also, Darius Slay, listen is questionable. Rick Wagner, their right tackle. What's wrong with Slay? Uh, Slay has been battling a hamstring. He played last week with okay. the same hamstring injury. So I would assume he's going to play. That would be a huge blow would, if it, he slowed down even. Enormous. But anytime you see a tackle going up against the Vikings, listed as questionable, mm-hmm. you go, okay, this this could be a good day I, for the Vikings if you're talking about going up against Daniel Hunter, Hunter with a guy who's hurt. Coach, I don't feel well. Right. We're getting to that level with Daniel Hunter, by the way. And because he's just so soft-spoken and goes about his business, um, we don't bring him up as one of the best players in the NFL, but if he's going up against Rick Wagner, he can mark in a couple of more sacks and quite a few more um, pressures if Rick Wagner is hurt or if they've got to use a backup here. So sure. I, I think this is when we look at the injury reports and sort of see all right, is there any area where either team can benefit? Of course, not having Josh Klein for the Vikings potentially, but he wasn't listed as out, so I would assume he's going to play, but I don't know that for sure. Mm-hmm. Um,
5: game I, day, yeah, Matthew. game day. I mean, day, just don't we'll, know. but day will bring not, him out
4: there and get a look, but he's not on the injury report. So he's going to be back. Josh. He's not Klein. listed? No, the only one who was out was uh, Ben okay. Gideon. Okay. Well, so then. Josh Klein will be back, and, th- and that could benefit them. I'm not 100% sure, um, but not being on the injury report, I would assume that he will be, and he'll be good to go. Um, things do change sometimes when we get to the... But he's not even listed as questionable. The only one who's questionable is no, Kendrell Brothers, yep. who's a special team. He's but. obligated to play then, actually. Really? Yeah. I mean, is that a real thing? Yeah. I, I think if, you are, if
5: if you are if you are not listed now he could be put back on tomorrow yeah but i don't think if you are basically uh practice 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 and they don't give you a designation i think the assumption for the gambling community
4: oh is that you are fine to play and guess who
5: doesn't like when you screw around with the gambling community raj yes yeah raj (laughs) gets let's just say
4: raj gets bent out of shape when vegas is bent out of shape yeah yeah that makes sense So josh klein will play uh yeah and so they'll have their interior back and it looks like riley reef is going to play as well he's not listed as questionable so he's going to be back I was in hoping rashad hill would start actually Th- this is an interesting one because where riley reef is much better and uh myron and i were kind of going back and forth about this because i would like to see the vikings maintain the aggressiveness down the field like have your offensive plan to be let's hit shots let's Let's take some shots yes. when Diggs is covered by Darius Slay or when Justin Coleman is on top of Adam Thielen. Do it anyway. Mm-hmm. Throw it to those guys anyway. Let them go up and get it or let a pass interference happen. Um, although I think Detroit probably will get the benefit of it. I was going to say, I'm there just, will I'm just, be I'm just no hankies thrown yep. on the Lions. But let's assume that it's fair and square. Um, then you're likely to see... You know, pass interference on deep shots. I think they should maintain the same level of aggressiveness as last week when throwing down the field. And as I said after the game, lean into the kirk. Yeah. Like throw it deep. Use it as one of his best things. But if they do decide, no, we got to get back to that run game. We got to get back to that run with Delvin Cook, Riley Reef is a much better run blocker than Rashad Hill. I like what Rashad Hill did last week because he is a very good pass blocker, and Mm -hmm. I think that's more valuable. But if, there, if we think that their game plan is going to be to hand the ball off to Cook a lot, then Reef can help there. I guess my question would be, do you think, because we saw this happen last year, where mm-hmm. they would have a great game plan, let's say against Green Bay, you'd be like, oh, they've got it. D. Flippo figured it out. Yeah. He did and what he Zimmer did asked. On Sunday against yeah, Philadelphia. Yep. He ran a Shermer game plan. He knew yep. what he was doing. Yep. And then um, the next week it was like a completely different game plan. It's like, where did all those things go that worked? I don't think that's going to happen with kubiak stefanski but I would be concerned that it will. That they'll say, well, you know, I that was think are great a, against Philly, but they were bad, so don't do that again.
5: I think it's a legitimate concern, but I I, I think that that I like the fact that they embraced the the obvious game plan. Don't you? I like the fact that we talked about it all last week. Okay. They can't stop the pass. They'll stop the run. So just pass it so more. And by, it. and by the way, by the way, because the Eagles were coming off a game in which they got ten sacks against the Jets, don't just huck it. Get rid of it quickly. And then they did. Yep. I like the fact that the game plan didn't take a genius. It could have been planned out by Judd Zolgad or Matthew Collard. No, seriously. If they yeah. called you up, you would have said if, if Kevin Stefanski had had been like, oh man, you know, I forgot to watch film. What do you think, <laughs> Matthew? You'd say okay. Short passes, short passes. Yeah. Some shots. Don't abandon the, the run because that's necessary for play action. But also, don't rely on Dalvin Cook in this game. So, to me, it's really simple,
4: common sense gameplay. So come back with that. And if they're going to let if, if they're going to let you run, then run. Because Delvin will break a seventy-five yard touchdown at some point, but I don't think you can win against a team that is at home and has a good offense in yep. Detroit. I don't think you can win by trying to, you know, rein in Kirk Cousins by trying to say be conservative and no, let's, let's let's win this game seventeen to fourteen. I think their offense is actually too good for that. So here's
5: here's one uh, th- theory that I have working since the Giants game as well. That seems to be, because there seems to be a new Kirk, and this is not completely changed, but he's different. Um, My theory is this. I think somebody, someone, or some people with the team got to him and said, you need to not care so much, dude. Like, that Chicago game, he looked burdened. He came out of that game that week, he looked completely burdened. It's like, you're having no fun here. You look like you're miserable. You play football. You make millions. And starting with the Giants game, it was almost like he was like, I'm not going to care as much now. It's Kirk, so he still cares. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying he doesn't give a belief. He does, but doesn't it seem like he has spent the last two weeks being like, "Okay, yeah, you know what? I'll do it." So, and I, I think all, all of this goes back to your key phrase. I think everybody there has realized that to maximize success of this offense and this team in partic- particular, you have to lean into who Cousins is.
4: I yeah, he's uncomfortable. I, I but invented, you got to lean into it. I invented that, so I agree with it. <laughs> But I think they're doing it. The one question that I have, though, is if Matt Patricia uses some of the stuff that Bill Belichick did last year against the Vikings, he goes back and says, okay, I know it's a different offensive coordinator, but what messed with Kirk? And one of the things that was truly fascinating about what Belichick did, and I had so much respect for this, he had guys just standing up before the snap, just like wandering around. You're like, what are they doing? Do they know it's time to take the snap? Like what? But you know what it did? Yep. It took that extra tick with Cousins to figure out what their defense was. And when I watched the last two weeks of the Giants and Eagles, I wanted to throw myself off a tall building. Well, Jim like Schwartz, they were just giving away everything. Yeah. Like here's exactly the defense we're playing. We're not disguising anything. The coverage, you or I, could read these coverages well, of the Giants at the Eagles. The Giants, they, the, the, the Giants didn't care. Yeah, Philadelphia well, their, their should de- have. Yeah, their defense. Philadelphia was should have cared, But but. I'm telling you, it was so basic and so simple what they were doing on defense that you or I could have walked up to the line of scrimmage and said, oh, okay, you're following our fullback that's in motion, that's that's man then. Mm-hmm. Or you've got that single high safety up there and he's just standing there. Like You and I marvel at this, what Harrison Smith does each week where Harrison is moving before the snap, he's throwing off opposing quarterbacks, hard to get the read, is it two safeties, is it one? And you've got... Malcolm Jenkins just standing there up in the box. Okay, he's going to be up in the box. And you've got the one safety deep. Okay, he's going to be standing there. We know exactly what you're doing. You've got all your linebackers loaded around the line of scrimmage. Okay, you're going to come with any sing, any play-action throw. You guys are going to attack. We're going to know exactly where our guys are. And Cousins even sort of alluded to it, where he was like, yeah, sometimes you dream a play up to be exactly this, and they do it. Like, that was Philly. Like, you look at it and you go, oh, man. They don't know what they're doing on this play, and, or, or I know exactly where everyone's going to be on this play. I think that Patricia is going to be a little more tricky than that, mm-hmm. and Belichick, I thought, was genius in saying, one of Kirk Cousins' things is, he's just a tick slow sometimes to process, and if we mess with them before the snap and have people standing up and walking around, you know what, they'll hit a couple runs on us, yep. but... Cousins is not going to be able to handle this, and he didn't. The only time he was really good in that game was when they ran the no huddle, and New England had to kind of go back into their more basic defense.
5: But the Vikings have to be prepared, coaching staff-wise, exactly for that, right? Yeah, That's yep. that's the key here. The Kirk is, listen, if things break down on Kirk, Kirk is not going to say, oh, I'm fine. Kirk is going to say, what just happened there? And it, that's where Kubiak and probably Stefanski, more importantly, can say, Kirk... We can coach you on this one. Don't worry about it. And that comes back to week two, right? Green Bay. Somebody eventually is going to have the personnel to do exactly what the Packers did, which is on those bootlegs, run somebody right at Kirk. Yep. And Kirk sort of freaked there. But the question that then, uh, to what Boone brought up after that game is, are the Vikings now going to adjust and say, Kirk, if that happens, 33 is going to be standing right there. Dump the ball to him.
4: Mm-hmm. Yeah, Because that's I, what I, they didn't do. and Cleveland I think Detroit. they will. I think they will have those options for Cousins. But even even one against uh, the Eagles, only one, and I don't know why they only did this once, but one of them got blown up and he had to throw the ball into the ground. And if Detroit is smart enough to watch this game, and they've had some extra time. Or no, no, they've been short on time. They're short on so time. So this, this could be hard. Game. They've yep. been short on time, so this could be hard. But if they say... All right, well, this is what another team did. We're going to try to do the same thing. Cousins sort of alluded to that. Like, well, our play actions were really hitting against Philly, obviously. But if the other team focused on taking it away, that means putting someone away from the run game. And that's where the run game can open. If I'm a defense, I'm saying, well, all right, look, I mean, if Delvin runs for 100 yards, he runs for 100 yards. But I'm not giving up 300 Correct. to Cousins and 50-yard touchdowns. Correct. So that, that will be um, the interesting chess game to me is how they design things around Cousins. Do they stay aggressive? And whether Matt Patricia takes some of those other factors from previous teams that have had success. And I'd love to ask Jim Schwartz. Why you didn't? Why you didn't take things I think away I can the answer teams. the question.
5: I, I think, and we have seen this a thousand times before, and we will see it a thousand times again because of the fact that these guys are convinced that what they do just works.
4: Yes. It's 100%, it, it, it right.
5: drives me nuts. That's yep. that's the one. The Is there any other sport? My system. Or, is there any other professional sport we watch that has the stubborn SOBs that, that <laughs> exist in this league? No. And, and that's where I give Zim some credit. Zim rearranges things. Defensively, he'll yep. see something and, and he'll be like, well, my system used to work. It doesn't now. And But then he'll say, why? Okay, I can fix it. Yep.
4: Guys like Jim Schwartz are like, oh, no, this is my technique. Like, are, yep. you, are you serious? Did you watch the Packer game? All right, let's take a break. Jeff Rieger from 97 won the ticket in Detroit. Joins us next to preview Vikings and Lions. We'll be right back here on Score North. I think it's going to be a physical game. You know, they're they good up front. Uh, Harrison's a big big bodied guy anyway uh so it, it's gonna be it's gonna be a pretty physical battle and then you know their dbs hit pretty good and linebackers you know
3: uh jared davis is a good football player and um, good thumper and uh you know i think we have some guys too
4: mike zimmer there today at the podium and uh let me just let you on a little reporter insight what happened during that press conference before we get to Jeff Rieger for the one ticket. All right, so Zimmer's going up to the podium, and they're indoors for practice because they're going to play indoors. And uh, Zimmer starts talking, and we can't hear him. There's like a loud noise in the background. It's like, what is that? Yeah, everybody cut starts. it out a bunch. Yeah, everybody starts looking around. What is that noise? It's C.J. Ham hitting the sled after practice. I mean, neck roll, wow. my friend. Not, neck roll. It's not yeah. often. Full backs.
5: It's not often. I applaud. I'm applauding right now.
4: You know what that was? That That's like a Corey He's, Schlesinger he moment. He should consider back Lions brace, fullback. too, then. Yeah. The the back brace back. Let's bring in uh, Jeff Rieger from 97 <sighs> Won the ticket. Who is the best fullback in Lions history, Jeff?
2: Um, you yes, <laughs> mentioned Schlesinger. I kind of like Schlesinger just because he always broke his helmet, and I thought that was pretty cool. By the way, nothing fun like that ever happened at Lions press conferences. Like, nothing ever, with the exception of the head coach last year, questioning why a reporter is uh, slouching his posture. But other than that, you know, we don't get fun stuff like that.
4: Oh, that's too bad. Mike Zimmers are always worth going to. Earlier in the week, he uh, he and I went back and forth, and he said, I've got a stat for you because you like stats. Stat boy, yeah, and uh, good. so so then I, I <laughs> nerd, and then I said I I know you're into analytics, Mike. I knew it. Um, so there there are always interesting moments with Zimmer. Plus, other times where he calls people out. Um, that happens quite a bit. So th- it's not that way with Matt oh, Patricia, yeah, huh? I love
2: that. Oh no, not that way at all. You ask Matt Patricia a question about the like today, for instance, somebody asked him about why can't you run the football, and he ends up talking about like pad level and goal line (laughs) offense.
4: Oh, Collar loves that stuff, man. I do love pad level.
2: It's great to play football. Yeah, history of football is amazing. It's like the it's like the (laughs) rope it up. You ask him about one thing, he's talking about something else.
4: Oh man, that's football, guys. Yeah, well, that's that's the Belichick style, where every once in a while I'll see a transcript where Belichick has talked for ninety four minutes about some special teamer or something is just like yeah you guys aren't going to get me this week i'm just going to talk about something that you will hate listening to for a really long time is he changed (laughs) at all jeff is is matt patricia different we were just talking about this i was asking judd if you would respect matt patricia more if they beat the vikings this week is it is it a different feel around that building
2: You know, you like to say it is, because they they had a nice start, right? I mean, they did blow the game against the Cardinals, but then they won the next two against the Chargers and the Eagles. And that was kind of before we realized that the Chargers weren't any good and the Eagles (laughs) might not be any good. But he's tried to be better. Like, the whole buy-in thing, the lack of buy-in last year, it seems like the players have bought in more, but... It could be that this team just isn't very good, too. So I still think the jury's out on that. I think he's trying more, though. I think he realized that, you know, running you to death in OTAs and minicamp probably wasn't the route that uh, he wanted to winning football games. So he's been a little lighter. He's been a little more player-friendly. But, again, will it work out? We wait and see. As far as beating Minnesota, that's a very tough task to ask. So, Jeff, do
5: do the Lions come back off the screw job in Green Bay, uh, PO'd, determined, and and fighting, or do they come back short, week, tired, ticked off, and saying, "Ah, whatever"?
2: What do you think? Well, that's the million. That's the million-dollar question. See, I think I think at least early on, the Lions have been really good in the first and second quarter this season. So I think you'll see some fight and determination, but maybe a little adversity would turn that. I mean, I think what people don't realize is the Lions' defense, and Matt Patricia is supposed to be this defensive wizard. He is a rocket scientist. I kid you not, like literally a rocket scientist. But this Lions' defense isn't very good They're on the field for like a league-worst 70 snaps per week. They have the worst scoring defense in the fourth quarter. So I think as these games progress, the Lions have had the lead in the fourth quarter every game, all five games, and they've only won two of them. So they blow in the other three. So I think it's more a matter of not what happened on Monday night, but just kind of who this Lions team is. They can't stop the run, and you guys run the ball really well. So I think that's probably the major key. As far as Monday night, though – This is just me, personally. The Lions have been screwed so many times, whether it's Calvin Johnson not completing the process, that game in Seattle like five years ago when nobody knew the rule, you know, the Dallas game where they picked up the flag in the postseason, and now Monday night where, I mean, again, did they play well enough to win? You like to think so. Did they get screwed by the officials? It sure seems like it. The craziest thing of all is the Lions just take it. I don't understand it. Bob Quinn, the GM, doesn't say anything. The owner, Martha Ford, doesn't say anything. The, the million dollar quarterback, the $27 million man, Matthew Stafford, never says anything. It's the most bizarre thing in the world that these guys continue to get jobs screwed, and they just kind of like, yeah, whatever. We'll just get ready for, uh, you know, Minnesota. So, so I think they'll be ready to play. I do. I just find it bizarre that, that maybe you've tried everything else. Maybe you should say something about it. Maybe, they, maybe the league would stop disrespecting you then.
4: Well, that's what uh, Judd's theory was, Jeff, that it would be uh, like they got screwed, so now the Vikings will have calls go against them as the league (laughs) tries to make it up. And I don't think the league cares to make up anything to Detroit.
2: No, and I'm with you, by the way. I mean, like, it it is a good theory, right? If you believe in the whole, well, the Lions got screwed and now the league wants to make it good, so you're going to see a lot of defensive pass interference calls when the Lions are on offense. I mean, well, your quarterbacks are pretty physical, so I guess they could buy it. But with that being said, I have yet to see one game where the Lions are actually on the good end of favor. The, the league doesn't respect them. So well, I think every Lions fan would love to believe in the makeup call, and they just get a ton of penalties that go their way on uh, Sunday, I'm not so sure I buy it.
5: That game though in Green Bay was as, and I don't even care about Detroit one bit, right? But that was an <laughs> all timer. Cause you're not talking about just one bad call. You're talking about three what I thought were atrocious calls, one questionable call. And, and for that, and the two on flowers are still to me mind-boggling because he didn't you know it's one thing if you grab the mat the face mask right and and you might say okay that's close but he did he did it he didn't even come close and for that guy to make that call not once but twice and completely screw them to me is still off the charts no and i'm
2: absolutely with you like like uh, again, it kind of goes back to not saying anything about it. But but as the story goes, Bakhtiari goes to the official and says, listen, my head's been up all game long. And then the official sees, like, oh, my God, his head's up, even though Flowers isn't really touching his face mask. So I get calling it once maybe. Like, I get calling it – with about nine minutes left to go in the fourth quarter, which extended the Packers' drive, which allowed them to get a touchdown from some receiver nobody's ever heard of, mind you. <laughs> but, uh, typical Lions, by the way. But, like, I-, I get doing it once, but then to do it again blows my mind to essentially end any chance of the Lions winning that football game. Because, you know, Mason Crosby's going to make the chip shot. But the other penalty screwed him, too. Like, no matter what you want, like the Kerryon Johnson fumble-slash-incomplete. Mm-hmm. It's ruled a fumble, which is means it's a Lions first down, which means they extend the drive, which means they get maybe a touchdown and end this thing, but instead it goes to review and they say, nah, definitely incomplete. you got to kick a long Matt Prater field goal. And then the other one was the Marvin Jones pass interference. Now, I'm not one to blame the officials. I, I mean, I just think... Leave it to no chance. You got to play better. You set up for five field goals. You know you had you were awful the last three quarters offensively. I think the offense had 110 yards total offense. So they just need to be better. But but I'm totally with you. Like if you watch this game as just a neutral observer, just watching Monday Night Football, it's hard to come away with any other opinion than the Lions got jobbed. And and again, the Trey Flowers calls blow my mind because one time I get. Two times for a guy that's never been called for that penalty. That's insane. Talking about Jeff
4: Rieger of 97, the one, the ticket in Detroit. All right, Matt Stafford goes from throwing a lot of short passes the last couple of years under Jim Bob Cooter to now launching it down the field all the time <laughs> to his receivers who can go up and get it. Jeff, is this the right way to use Matt Stafford to have him throw contested catches down the field to Marvin Jones and Kenny Galladay?
2: Well, it has worked. It has worked, at least for yards per attempt, because Matt Stafford leads the league in that, and uh, it, it is uh, improvement to what you saw with Jim Bob Cooter, as you saw. Like, like we all thought Daryl Bevel was going to come in, and it was going to be just run, 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 and then a third down, maybe throw it to your tight end to fall forward, you know four yards to get a first down and, and just kind of complete it. So I've been impressed by the fact that they're allowing Stafford to kind of do what he's comfortable with, play action, launch in the ball. The problem is in that Green Bay game, if you just want to look at that, it worked in the first drive with the flea flicker. It worked in the second drive with the long pass to Marvin Hall. But then it went away. I think they went deep one more time the remainder of the game, and, and that was it. And I'm, I'm curious why they stopped that. The thing about Stafford, though, is where he used to be really good in the fourth quarter and coming back when they were down, that's kind of gone away. And if you watch the Lions this year, the offense has kind of gone away after the half, it seems like. But, yeah, I, I like what they've done with Stafford. I like what they've done with the offense. But you, you still need to see more, and you need to complete more drives into touchdowns rather than field goals.
5: Boys, this league is so screwed up. Have, have you seen who the referee assigned to Sunday's game is? I just found this. It's a guy by what the, he got? It's a guy by the name of, and we're all going to say Who? His name is Brad Rogers. He is a brand new referee. That sounds made up. In this league. Well, no, no, it's true. It's an entire story. They're putting a new ref? They're they're putting a new ref, according to to a website, (laughs) Football Zebras, they're putting a new ref on this game who has never, who is in his first year, in a game coming off one, and people will actually be watching this game, if nothing else, for officiating. I give up with this league. That's amazing. They are so stupid. (laughs)
2: <laughs> Other than that, though, that Judd's fine remarkable
5: Yes, I know, you're well, at that... a loss for words,
2: too <laughs> Well, it's typical, though, because, you know, as much as everybody likes to bitch and moan and whine about the officiating We all turn up the next week and we watch, <laughs> yeah. and we all get angry, and then we just come back the next week Like, everybody talks about fixing officiating, and everybody, especially after that Lions game You know, and, and of course, go back to the Saints and the Rams game for the NFC title Everybody has their various thoughts, like, oh, my God, this great thought. You could now challenge offensive and defensive pass interference. Yeah, that's worked well because one has been overturned of, like, 300. (laughs) So it's almost like, I don't know how you guys feel. I'm literally to the point where screw the replay, screw the reviews, just let it be the humans calling the plays or doing the officiating like it used to be. And whatever happens, happens, because I don't think this league's ever going to get it right. Like, do you still know what a catch is? I literally don't.
4: Well, not after the other night, because I thought the guy had it and fumbled it, but then they said that he didn't. Right. And I was like, wait, didn't he catch it and get his feet down and whatever? I thought we agreed on that. Um, no, I've actually, I'm, I've been with you on this, Jeff. I have been calling Instant Replay the monster that we let out of the box and now is eating us all to death in all of sports. <laughs> like, ev- everything. The NCAA tournament was here, and every tip ball that goes uh. off somebody's finger, it made me want to jump off the top of
2: U.S. Bank Stadium. It was just brutal well, that, that we have, have to mention- go to replay. Play it's everything. Like a seven minute review, yeah. it's like a ten minute review to find out if the balls inbounds outbound is who went out of bounds on I mean, ask Auburn, they got screwed in that, but but you're you're so right, like the replay now you can slow it down so it makes the officials look stupid anyhow, when in reality, you know who's going to be able to call most of these plays in yep. real time and and the games take forever. Like, how many times are you going to slow down a touchdown from the three-yard line? It's going to be a touchdown regardless. Is he in? Is he not in? Let's spend three minutes looking to see if his butt crossed the line. (laughs) I'm with you. I mean, it sounded like a great idea early on, I think, to everybody. Everybody was like, on board. Yes, get it right. Too much is at stake. And now I think if you polled people, if they were being honest, they'd be like, you know what? Take all the replay away, and and, and just whatever happens on the field, we'll deal with.
4: Yeah. No, I'm with you, man. Uh, Last thing for you, Jeff. Uh, Give us a uh, what-if-they-win-what-if-they-lose Detroit perspective because we've been kind of kicking this around from the Vikings. If they win, we're going to feel like, man, this team really got it together and is on their way, especially with Mahomes not out and the Vikings playing them in two weeks. Um, But if they lose, we might feel like eh, it's kind of back to the same thing. Every time they play a division game or a big game on the road, they can't win it. So what is the Detroit version of that?
2: By the way, Lions fans are honored that you're calling this a big game, because that, that's, <laughs> that's nice to Lions fans. But um I, I would say, okay, so if they win, let's start with the positives, which I'm not quite sure they're going to, but if they win, all the goals are still in front of them, not to mention Green Bay has got a next tough couple of games. I mean, granted, there's no Patrick Mahomes, I guess, for next week, but... If you look at it, they got the Raiders this week. If the Packers happen to lose, the Lions happen to win, then you can still make it up in your head that they can win the division, regardless of the fact that, you know, if the Packers go five and five in their next 10, that's a 10 win team. That means the Lions have to go eight and three, which I'm not mm-hmm. quite sure they can do. That's asking a lot. But I think you win and everything's in front of you. The goals are in front of you. If you lose, it's easy. It's, there's a little saying. It's an acronym here in Detroit. SOL stands for Same Old Lions, and Same Old Lions seems to pop up in the most ridiculous ways, and you saw it Monday night with some of those penalties. If they lose, it's pretty much what every prognosticator said about this team preseason, that they're just not very good. Maybe they're a 6-7 win football team, and uh, while they're trying to build things, you're going to have to wait until next year. So this is gigantic for the Detroit Lions, because the other thing, too, is if they lose this football game, all the goodwill they built up from beating the Chargers, beating the Eagles, then the biggest moral victory ever, almost beating the Chiefs, which was really bizarre. That's all now going to be gone, and people are going to see this team from what they've always seen this team, which is kind of a sham. So... I think it's a giant game, and even more giant that after they lost the Green Bay.
4: Yeah, you know, Jeff. I, I think if Detroit loses this game, then people will be going to the grocery store and getting the grocery bags and starting to you know get the sharpies out <laughs> to start to write on them and cut out the eyeballs and everything else again. Um. But but that is amazing Never how one game. All <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, it's amazing how one game uh, can swing kind of the entire feel. Of uh, of a team, so always great stuff, Jeff. Thanks for coming on. You were on twice this week uh, because we needed you Got to it. rant about the refs. So great stuff. Appreciate your time, man. Yeah, guys,
2: guys, if, if your ratings go down this week, you know it's my fault. Okay, so just watch for that.
4: <laughs> you can't go down from zero, Jeff. All right, let's uh <laughs> right,
2: take it easy, right, Jeff. Matthew great, Collar, by the great, way, great stuff, buddy. See ya. Thanks.
4: See you guys. Take care. We have plenty of podcast downloads. Uh, let's uh, take a quick break, and we'll be right back. and, and Let's let's decide whether we think the Vikings are going to win this game. Like right. we spend three days talking about all the things that could go either way, and uh, let's figure it out when we get back. Matthew Collard, Judd Zolgad for the next few minutes. Mackie and Judd with Rami coming up at four
0: on Score North. Jonathan here with the Score North download. Couple things to remind you of: you can join Dan Terra, Callum Williams. Kendra St. Alvin, Jamie Watson, and myself this Sunday for Minnesota United Playoff Action as they host the LA Galaxy in the first round of the 2019 MLS Cup Playoffs. From Allianz Field, pregame at 7 p.m. with kickoff at 7.30. Right here on ScoreNorth on AM1500, scorenorth.com, and the free ScoreNorth mobile app. Also, ScoreNorth has already run contests for $50,000 in cash, and we're regularly giving away tickets to local games, gift cards, to local restaurants, and much, much more. But in order to reap these rewards, you must have the ScoreNorth app available for free in the Apple or Google Play stores. That's been your ScoreNorth download. Now back to the final segment of the week of Purple Daily.
4: All right, one final segment for the week. The last word on Lions and Vikings. Uh, let me ask you this, Judd. You uh, excited? Oh, absolutely.
5: This is a um, an exploration week to week to week, right? Because it's like three weeks ago, you left Chicago. That team looked like they were not dead, but it felt like they were two and five. Yep, it felt off the tracks really, really bad. And then they come back. And it's not that the Giant. The Giants game didn't tell me a, a lot. But you did say, okay, there's the confidence that has been lacking. And then the uh, game against Philadelphia, to me, impressed me. So, yes, I am, am I super excited because I think it's going to be a great football game? No, I don't. The product in this league, for the most part, is not. But a- am I excited to see what that next step is, win or loss?
4: Absolutely. I think Which this, Kirk do we see? I think this absolutely has the potential to be a good football game. And you know what's been weird? In the Kirk Cousins era in Minnesota is how rarely we've gotten good football games. Have you noticed this? Uh, I mean, I've mean, been talking about this for eight years it's, and beyond Cousins. It's either, but it's, okay, so there's an NFL problem of most games are trash. But, yes. like, this quarterback in particular seems to either really show up and they run someone out of the building and you're like, halftime, okay, what am I writing about? Let me just write my column at halftime. Which I've seen Be- you do. At, and I have because, like, the Oakland game, they're not coming back. I'll write this now. I'm not wasting my time. It, it, there have been almost n- no games in which I've had to delete the halftime article because I start it then, and then we'll see how the second half goes and everything else. Yeah. And, may, and and there were times during the Case Keenum era, the most notable, the Minneapolis Miracle play, where uh, that column has to be deleted and rewritten uh, because something really changes. And in this case. Maybe this is, happens to everyone. I don't know. It seems like there's either blowouts one way or no-shows the other way, and very few times we get compelling, gripping football games. Even last week had a moment, but it was only a fleeting moment, and then the Vikings but I'll take it. took care of it. I was happy. That was as close to good football the as we get. 24-20, I, I was like, hey, at least at least somebody cares that they're trying to come back. There just hasn't been too many dramatic games. There was the game in Green Bay um, last year, the 29-29, that was up. A- A good football game. I mean, just from a a drama standpoint. There haven't been too many other ones. Even this last one in Green Bay, the comeback, and then they blow it. Eh, Okay, there were some good moments still, but kind of a bleep show, especially with referees. I think this one has that potential to be a really good game. I I know that Jeff Rieger mentioned that he doesn't think the Lions have a good defense. I just disagree with that um, based on their efficiency stats and who they've faced. They have faced really good quarterbacks. And when you go through the stats that kind of put everything in a pot and give you a a better look at what a defense really is. DVOA from football outsiders, expected points added. I think these tell a clear story. They're 10th in both. Opposing quarterback rating, they're 7th. And look at the quarterbacks they've faced so far. They've faced Kyler Murray, who's getting to be good, Rivers, Wentz, Mahomes, Rodgers. Yeah. I mean, that is a tough run of quarterbacks, and they are 7th in opposing quarterback rating, 3rd in opposing completion percentage. They're a good pass defense, and to me, that is the key to being a good defense in the NFL. So I, I see them as a good challenge for the Vikings, especially at Ford Field, and this has the potential with a better Lions offense than they were last year by a lot mm-hmm. to be a good matchup.
5: Do you think that they have a plan for for Cousins and the offense which I would say Green Bay did, Chicago did, Oakland did not and almost didn't care, Atlanta just a dumpster fire, the Giants didn't. Philadelphia should have, and they really didn't. Does does Detroit come in, in your mind, with a plan where within the first quarter of that game you say, okay, this is going to challenge Kirk? And just as importantly, Stefanski and Kubiak.
4: I'm going to say that they do, and that's based a little bit on what we saw last year from the Lions at... Actually, both games, really. Um, Cousins in the second game there at Ford Field did not have a good start to that game and then hit on a Hail Mary, and it sort of changed everything, and the Lions went, okay, forget this. We're not playing the second half. It was to Kyle. And it was. It was. because he was tall. The rare throw to Kyle now that uh, def- doesn't happen, but hey, he that's okay. loves blocking, so it's fine. Um, but... Uh, There were some answers there. Mm -hmm. And that was with Kevin Stefanski calling the plays. Not his full offense, of course, as it will be this time. Patricia is a real wild card to me. Because I'm with you in that I don't believe in him. There's a promo that's been running on our station for months where I say, I don't believe in Matt Patricia. I haven't changed my mind on that, so we can keep running the promo. But (laughs) they have enough talent. They have enough talent. And he has enough background working with Belichick to be at least respecting what they can do schematically. And that's where I wonder about the ability to counterpunch as the Vikings. Because a lot of times with in the Cousins era, it's been if he's not there right away, he's not coming today. And uh, he'll put up a bunch of points and yards when they're down 21 points. Mm-hmm. I want to see if you can go back and forth. If they dial up something that is messing with Kirk Cousins a little bit. If he can make big plays and if they can adjust on the fly, because we haven't really seen that to be necessary this season except for two games in which they lost and were very ugly in the passing game.
5: I I would say the most important thing to me and the thing I'm really curious about offensively is this, too. It's the patience of the game plan. I felt like in Chicago, they they took the deep shot for Thielen, and it didn't work, and they sort of said, oh, uh uh-oh, that didn't work. And it should have worked. It's a bad pass, okay? Okay. But nonetheless, you've got to go back to it. And I'm not trying to say you got to go, you don't go back to it 10 times, but you can't just abandon it and be like, well, Kirk can't make that pass today. So it, is there a patience, and this could result in an ugly win, but is there a patience to say say we are invested in the run game in Dalvin for sure, and that's fantastic, but the pass game is there. It might not be great, but it's there. Do we have the ability and and wherewithal, for instance, to try, pick a number, five shots? Four shots?
4: So here's the issue with the comparison to the Chicago game. Mm -hmm. When I went back and looked at the tape, they dialed up those shots, and he didn't get the ball out there. The check down to C.J. Ham is a great example, where it's like the shot is there, the player is open down the field, and he went through his progressions too quick and checked down. Like, Are they going to try to do things to make Cousins nervous early? But here's the interesting thing about Cousins, is his strengths are so strong and his weaknesses are so weak that he's a fun guy to cover, honestly. And when you blitz him, he's actually pretty good at it. Like figuring out where the blitz is coming from, where his hot route is supposed to be. And he rarely gets tricked into a bad play. When he's blitz, you have to beat him. And Carson Palmer mentioned this yesterday on the show. You have to beat him with interior pressure that gets in his face and gets him a little bit anxious. And if, they don't have that without Mike Daniels, Snacks Harrison's a run stuffer. If they don't have that without Mike Daniels, mm-hmm. like this could be a, a, really good, um, a really good day for him. But if they do, and they figure out a way to pressure him like that, and if the corners are close up on Diggs and Thielen, then he's going to get a little bit conservative and start checking it down and get a little nervous in the pocket. And that's why I think this is kind of an interesting matchup, because you could see that going either way.
5: Can you adjust though, as a coaching staff, to that and and help Kirk out, because I sometimes uh, feel like the game plan skews towards, well, if Kirk can't do that, he can't do that. And we and we'll abandon it. Are there times where you could have the patience and ability to make adjustments, though, to help him and say, no, Kirk, those things are there. We need you to try because he can make the throws. that That's the thing is he's got the, the physical attributes to make those throws. Yep. So if he's missing them it's literally i think a combination of things of going to him as well and saying Kirk we need you to keep trying this and you might get hit i can't you know guarantee that you won't but that being said you've got the god given arm to make those throws it's not like they're all going to fall shorter i mean he he made
4: some great throws last week and he has made some great throws yeah, before i don't know i think he's always just going to be Kirk i think that his strengths are going to be his strengths his shortcomings are going to be his shortcomings and one thing that is a benefit to this team uh-huh. is if there's anyone who has a good understanding of those, it's Kevin Stefanski. I mean, he worked with them as close as anyone can work with them as his quarterback coach all the way through last year and then this year through training camp and everything else. And he probably knows that there's no answer. There's nothing you could say to Cousins mid game when he's having one well, of those Cousins I'm, games. That's what I'm wondering. Yeah, I, I, is I don't if think you that exists. Somehow stem that tie. No, that, and that's why I. You're probably right. Sage but, mentioned it. You and I've talked about it. That's why getting him going early is yeah. super important. Um, all right. Well, before we sign off, or I do, and then you'll sign stay off. That's, on old, with, that's uh, old school. Right there, Mackie Judd, with Rami. Um, that you think our that, uh, they're winning this football game. Yes, I do. I do. I think I picked. Uh, I think
5: this afternoon or this morning on Viking Vent Line. What did I say? Twenty to seventeen, twenty four, twenty one, something like that. I, I I always come back to this. This defense is going to give you a chance to win. Can can the offense not score a ton of points? Can the offense score enough points, especially on the road, to win? And I think in this game, I think Detroit's going to be really tired, exhausted. I think they might come out quick, but it's gonna. But the, the events of the past week and the fact they played in Green Bay on Monday are going to catch up with them. I think the Vikings win. How about you?
4: I think the Vikings win as well. I actually think that the Detroit offense does some exciting things in this game. I think they attack Xavier Rhodes and Trey Wayne's down the field quite a bit and have some success there, but the Vikings ultimately come out on top. I'm going to go 31-24. Oh, you're going a little higher yeah, score than me. A little higher okay. score. I'm being optimistic here for myself, as in give me this good game. And I think I'm it can I think that. it can happen. I'll take that. I think it can happen. All right. All right. Uh, I'll apologize on Monday if I'm very wrong and it was a horrible football Nine game. Nine seven loss. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Maggie Judd with Rami coming up next. Thanks for a, a fun week, everybody. We'll be uh, back next week.
0: Whether it's Baker's Simple Truth Turkey or Mac and Cheese with Murray's English Cheddar